<laughs> well, good afternoon. Welcome to episode six of the Bob and Bill podcast. Yeah. I don't, you said you're nervous. Why are you nervous? Uh, because the camera is on. If it was just people out there, I'd probably be all right. I, I wouldn't know, think because about usually when people are there, you never think about what you're going to no, say. No, I don't think it's about what I'm going to say. It just comes out. <laughs> wow, we're so glad you're here. We're, we're, uh, oh my goodness, we have another 30 days yes. to do this. And I trust that you are experiencing God in a new and fresh way. And we're grateful for this opportunity to bring you these podcasts. And this morning, Joyce is going to be singing one of my favorite songs. I say that about all of her songs. <laughs> but this is one that you started two summers ago, I think. Yes, called I Choose Christ. I Choose Christ. So let's listen to Robert and Joyce. Listen to these amazing lyrics this morning. Come through like you said he would. 
So this week, we're featuring a message by one of our, I can't say my favorite speakers, because, I mean, they're all favorites, right? Yeah, yeah. This, but this guy. He's very unique. He is very unique. His name is Dr. Ray Pritchard. He is the president of Keep Believing Ministries, and every time he comes here, he just blesses our hearts. This is a powerful message. You'll get part one today and part two on Friday. There's a really, really cool segment you're going to not want to miss. Hey, would you enjoy the teaching ministry of Dr. Ray Pritchard? I want to talk to you tonight on this topic. Are you the one? Are you the one? Christ speaks to the problem of honest doubt. Honest doubt. Let me read several of the verses. Beginning in Matthew 11, verse 1. After Jesus had finished instructing His twelve disciples, He went on from there to teach and to preach in the towns of Galilee. Okay? Now, stop right there. What's this right here? What's this right here? What's this right here? What's this? What's this over here? What's this right here? I didn't tell you. But you're very good. Said Bethlehem. Okay. Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. North, south, east, and west. Geography again tonight, plays a key part in understanding this story. So, Sea of Galilee up north. This verse says that Jesus went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee, which means He's in the region up north. He's in the area of the Sea of Galilee. Up here you've got Bethsaida, you've got Capernaum, you've got the Mount of the Beatitudes. You've got the Roman city of Tiberias here. If you go a little bit west, but not all the way to the uh, Mediterranean Sea, you've got Nazareth, where he grew up and go down a little bit. You've got Cana, where he turned the water into wine. Part of understanding this story is to know that as it begins, Jesus is up north, okay? In the region of Galilee. Now we read on. When John, who was in prison in prison stop right there sea of galilee jordan river dead sea jerusalem bethlehem somebody shouted that out that's very good over here mediterranean sea on the east side of the jordan river in the modern day country of jordan there was up on a hilltop there was a fortress that king herod had turned into a palace that also served as a prison. It was called Machaerus. It has been excavated. This afternoon I was looking at the, the pictures of the excavation that's been done in Machaerus. Here's all you need to know. Even today, 2,000 years later, Machaerus is one of the most desolate, God-forsaken places on earth. When I say desolate, I mean it, there, there's no growth there. There's no vegetation there. It's hot. It's dry. It's wilderness. And on top of a mountain east of the Jordan River, King Herod had established a fortress slash 
prison. And that's where John the Baptist was. Watch this. Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. Jesus is up here. He's up north. John the Baptist is way down south on the east side of the Jordan River. He's a prisoner. From where Jesus is to where John the Baptist is, is probably 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 miles. And, and remember, remember, you had to walk. So it's quite a few days to get from where John is in prison to where Jesus is up here. Okay, keep reading. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? This is a sermon about a topic we almost never discuss in church. And I'll dare say, many of you may never have heard a sermon about this topic that we're going to talk about tonight. Because I want to talk to you for a few minutes about doubt and the Christian faith. Doubt and the Christian faith. It's a topic we don't talk about. Inside the church, we will talk about almost everything to avoid talking about people who doubt. We're troubled by it. We don't want to think about it. Sometimes we want to pretend that once you become a Christian, all your questions are answered, all your problems are solved, all your mysteries are resolved, and that you must be a very bad person and probably not even saved if you ever have a doubt. And so sometimes in the church, we make people who struggle with doubt feel very bad. We say, read the Bible, pray, memorize Scripture, which, by the way, I'm all in favor of. But I believe tonight maybe we can get something useful from this by talking about a very good man in a bad place, John the Baptist, who was struggling with honest doubt. Listen, we need this message because doubt is a hidden issue inside the church. We need this message because sometimes it's not easy to believe. We need this message because we all doubt sooner or later. I don't know if you know this, the Bible has a lot to say about doubt. There's whole books of the Bible about doubt. You got Job who said, Lord, come on down here. I want to have an argument with you. You got Ecclesiastes who wrestled with the meaninglessness of life. You've got the little book of Habakkuk, which is all about doubts. And one of Jesus' apostles, what we, what, what's the word, what's the adjective we put in front of the name Thomas? What do we call him? Doubting Thomas. One of the apostles, one of the handpicked chosen disciples of Christ. Read the book of Psalms over and over again. David says, Lord, I'm looking for you. I cry out for you. I can't find you. Yet we don't talk about it. So let me tell you a story. For about 17 years, Marlene and I served in a church in Oak Park, Illinois, suburb of the great city of Chicago. I was pastor there, and in that church, we had a young singles ministry called the 2020 Ministry. It was about 60 or 70 or 80 young singles who ranged in age from maybe 18 or 19 all the way up to maybe 31, 32, something like that. 
And once a year, they invited me to come meet with them, come to the 2020 group. We, we had an Ask Pastor Ray night. And here were the rules. We got in a big circle, 60 or 70 of us. And they just fired away with the questions. Sometimes they wrote them down. Sometimes I had no advance warning. Whatever it was. And they knew. If it was about the Bible or theology or the Christian life, whatever they wanted to ask me was fine. They could talk about our family. They could ask me about our marriage. They could ask me about our kids. They could ask, when are the Chicago Cubs going to win the World Series? That was back before the miracle of a couple of years ago. Okay? So, there was no question off limits. Now, the last time I did it, before we left the church, the last time I did it, we started at 7 o'clock, and we went to 9 o'clock. That night, I can't explain it. I just, I guess I was just really on my game. Because they were asking me questions. They were like, they're fat pitches over the plate. And I was just knocking them out of the park. I mean, that doesn't matter. I, I was just on my game. I was hot that night. So everything was going good. We got to 10 minutes until 9. The last question I would ever be asked as their pastor at a Ask Pastor Ray night. Young lady raised her hand. I knew her. I knew her family. She was a good friend. She had grown up in our church. She came from a fine Christian family. She had grown up in our Sunday school, come up in our youth ministry. She had sat under my preaching ministry for years. She had gone to one of America's great Christian colleges. I knew something other people in the group didn't know. She had been going through a very serious uh, period of struggle and doubt in her walk with God. She raised her hand and she said to me, Pastor Ray, I've got a question. And I smiled. I said, what is it? She said, Pastor Ray, when you preach, you always sound so definite. You sound so sure. You sound so certain about everything. Pastor Ray, do you ever doubt? Oh, oh, I didn't see that one coming. And I paused and just for a moment. I had to decide, was I going to give the approved answer or tell the truth? I decided, let it all hang out and just tell the truth. I, I took a deep breath and I said, you know what? I do doubt. And if the truth be told, I probably doubt in some way every single day. Because there's not a day goes by that there's not a question I can't answer. There's not a day goes by that I don't see a mystery around me that makes no sense. There's not a day goes by that I don't see some heartbreaking circumstance that from a human point of view, I cannot explain it all. There's not a day goes by that I am not troubled by something that is happening in the world around me. And so if you take it in that broad sense, every single day, I guess I have some kind of doubt. Well, we finished up, done, 9 o'clock. My answer spread throughout the church. Following Sunday morning, one of the elders of the church, who was a friend of mine, came up to me between services. And he said, Now, Pastor Ray, when you said you doubt every single day, you didn't really mean that, did you? I just looked at him and said, Yes, I meant it. He just shook his head, turned around, and walked away. Let me say this to you. 
This is a hidden secret of the church. We can sweep it under the rug if we want to. We can pretend it's not there if we want to. We can turn away from it if we want to. But the truth of the matter is this. We all doubt sooner or later. It's what you do with your doubt that matters. Os Guinness said it this way. The shame is not that people have doubts, but that they are ashamed of them. Think of it this way. True biblical faith requires doubt in order to be faith. What did Paul say in 2 Corinthians? He said, we walk by faith and not by sight. Listen to me. If you ever get to the place where all your questions are answered, if you ever get to the place where all your mysteries are resolved, if you ever get to the place where all your doubts disappear, sit back and relax, you've just shown up in heaven. Between, <laughs> between now and then, we're going to have questions. Between now and then, we're going to face mysteries. Between now and then, there are going to be conundrums going on all around us for which we have no complete and absolute answer. So, as I am moving now toward the text, let me frame it this way. It seems to me as I look at it that our, our doubts tend to come in one of three varieties. Number one, there are intellectual doubts. Those tend to be the doubts of people outside the church. Is the Bible the Word of God? Is Jesus the Son of God? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? And is Jesus really the only way to heaven? intellectual doubts there's another category i'm going to call these spiritual doubts these are the struggles of people inside the church am i really saved is my faith genuine how come i can't feel the presence of god why is prayer why is prayer so difficult and maybe one we all wonder about if i truly love god why is it taking me so long to get better spiritual doubts, issues inside the church. And I'll tell you, far and away, far and away, the greatest, greatest area is what I would call circumstantial doubts. This is the jagged edge where the reality of biblical faith comes into contact with the reality of living in a fallen world. Why did my daughter die? Why did my husband Walk out on me after 32 years of marriage. Where was God when my uncle was abusing me? Circumstantial doubts. Even inside the church, we don't like to talk about those questions because they are hard and they are painful and they are difficult. And inside the church, when it comes to, to, to those jagged edge, circumstantial questions, we just, we just like to lift up the rug and sweep everything under the rug and walk away and pretend it's okay. Let me tell you something. When inside the church, when we do not deal honestly with circumstantial doubts, they soon become spiritual doubts, and spiritual doubts turn into intellectual doubts, and that's when people leave the church which is why we ought to talk about this topic more often than we do. Let me give you three more statements, then we will jump right into the text. I'm going to frame the issue this way. Number one, many people think that doubt is the opposite of faith. It is not. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. What's unbelief? 
It's the settled conviction that what God has said is not true. Perfect example. Kadesh Barnea sent out the 12 spies. God had already said, I'm going to give you the land. God's already said that. Sent out the 12 spies to come back and say, yes, we can do it. Ten say, no, we can't. That's unbelief. That is the settled conviction that what God has said is not true. Doubt's different. Doubt is the inner uncertainty. It's the angst on the inside caused almost always by the painful circumstances of life. So number one, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Number two, many people think doubt is unforgivable, but it isn't. Abraham had questions. Sarah laughed at God. Job had questions. David was looking for God. And, and look, Thomas said, unless I see him, unless I put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Say anything you want to say about doubt, but don't say it's unforgivable. Number three, many people think struggling with God is a sign that your faith is not genuine. And I'll bet there's some of you tonight who are going through an inner storm, an inner turmoil, and maybe you wonder, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian at all? May I say to you, very nearly the opposite of that statement is true. If tonight you are struggling with God, that's almost certainly a sign that you're a true believer and your faith actually is genuine. Okay, we could go a lot of places in the Bible to illustrate all this. We could take Abraham and Sarah. We could read something from Job. We could take one of the Psalms. We could take Ecclesiastes. We could take Habakkuk. We could easily take Doubting Thomas. I'm going to take you tonight to my favorite story about doubt. It's the story of a good man named John the Baptist who is in prison, not for doing wrong, but because he did right. John the Baptist was one of the greatest men who ever lived. You remember the story. He came out of the wilderness wearing that locust hair and eating that wild honey, preaching, the, preaching that you should repent and get right with God. He grabbed the nation of Israel because he was called to make straight the way of the Lord. He grabbed the nation of Israel and he brought the nation of Israel to a place of spiritual preparation. And by the hundreds and by the thousands, they came from Jerusalem and the other cities and they came to John down in the region of the Jordan. And there he baptized them, not just a few, but a great many of them. He was a mighty preacher of the truth. Now, now, you remember the story? Sitting atop the nation of Israel in that day was a wicked man by the name of Herod. Not the Herod the Great of Jesus' birth, but one of his relatives. A man by the name of Herod Antipas. He was both attracted by and repelled by John the Baptist. He, 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 he liked John. He was uneasy about John. He wanted to listen to John. He was curious about his message, but he's also repelled by the call to repentance. And upon a day, that good man, John the Baptist, condemned King Herod to his face because he was involved in gross sexual immorality. John had, uh, Herod had John thrown into prison. Where? place called Machaerus, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, thrown into prison. You look it up on Google, you'll see even today the ruins are on top of a barren hill in the middle of nowhere. Hot, hot, barren, lonely, isolated. There John the Baptist was, day after day, week after week, month after month, not knowing if 
or when he would ever get out. Now, we know the end of the story. We know upon a day there at Machaerus, John the Baptist threw a great dinner party, and that girl came out and did that seductive dance, and, and Herod foolishly said, I'll give, I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. She consulted her mother, who was in that immoral relationship with Herod, and remember what the mother said. Tell him, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. I think Herod was upset about that. But he couldn't go back on his word in front of all of his guests, so he ordered that good man, John the Baptist, beheaded. So what I'm saying is, John's never, ever, ever going to get out of Machaerus alive. But he doesn't know it. Day after day, and week after week, and month after month, he hears rumors about Jesus preaching all over the country. And yet, you know, there's something about being in prison that will mess up a man's mind. There's something about being behind bars that will cause you to question everything you thought you knew was true. There's something about being there that really messes with your head. And finally upon a day, John the Baptist, he's just so confused. He's just so discouraged. He's in so much despair and so much gloom. He calls his disciples, his followers, to him in the jail. And he says, I want you to go find Jesus wherever he is. Go find him and ask him this question. Are you the one who is to come? Are you the Messiah? Or should we look for someone else?
Thank you for that beautiful song, Elizabeth. That was uh, your daughter-in-law. Yes. Married to your son, Zach. Yep. Yep, she, um, she blesses me every time she, she plays. She and makes the violin sing. And I love being able to accompany her. It's mm. fun. So let's talk about, this is Wednesday. Tomorrow we're doing something very special, and we trust that our podcast audience will join us. What are we doing tomorrow? Tomorrow we are doing the first time ever a live stream um, hymn sing, and it will start at about 9.45. We'll do our typical piano prelude. Yeah, I found out something cool. Jim Kennedy, our vice president of operations, is going to have donuts for, for us. Are you serious? Yeah, so for all of our hymn sing folks that come and eat bagels and yep. donuts and all those kind of good things, we're, we're going to get to do that and just Well, we'll of, make sure we show pictures of them. Yeah, we'll show you what we're eating, but it's going to be fun. Uh, Pastor John Strain is going to share the meditation, Robert and Joyce and Elizabeth. Uh, we've got a couple surprises tomorrow, right? Oh, yes, we do, actually. Now Don't tell them. Don't no. tell them. Right. So you want to join in and watch us tomorrow morning, 945, and it'll go for about two hours. If you would like to have the actual hymns, you can call 1-800-453-7942 and request a copy of the PDF version of the hymn sing, and uh, you'll be singing in your house, and we'll be singing here, and we'll do social distancing. And then tell them about the worship live videos that we're doing Monday through Friday. Every day, Monday through Friday, we are doing live worship videos at 1.30 p.m. They are on Facebook, but they're also now on YouTube, which is a really cool thing. So thank you for joining us in Episode 6. We trust that you'll join us again on Friday at 2.30. We appreciate you. If you would continue to pray for the ministries of America's Keswick, we'd appreciate it. We're here to pray for you. Monday through Friday from 8 to 5, you can call 1-800-453-7942. And now until Friday, (laughs) I'm Bob. I'm Bill. No. You don't know who you are. I'm Bill. You're Bill. Hey, join us on Friday. God bless. (laughs)